0: Hi, campers. Welcome to Museum Camp. I'm Megan.
1: I'm Madison. Hello. Thank you for joining us. You're it's here. Yeah. We're so happy to have you here. We're so happy. And, you know, we, no brag, but uh, we've seen quite an influx of new listeners lately. And so I think we should maybe take this uh, time to introduce ourselves again. Yeah. Reintroduce again. ourselves. A reintroduction, okay. if you will. And I will. Um <laughs> so like I just said, I'm Madison. Um, we are, and that's Megan. We are your camp counselors, uh, here at good old museum camp. This is, um, a podcast and really, uh, dumbing it down for you all. Um, in layman's terms, this is a podcast. For civilians, this is a podcast. Um, And, you know, our whole goal here is uh, to make history and museums a little less boring. Um, I mean, obviously, it's always going to be boring to some degree, degree, but, you know, not on our watch. Not on our watch. So we're going to take you guys on field
0: trips to just weird museums. That's what Mm -hmm. we've been doing for a little over a year now.
1: Yes, we're doing great. Um, we're very happy you're here. Um, and so, you know, again, to really break it down, we're going to start off with an introduction as we are knee deep in right now. And yeah. I'll be honest with you campers. Usually that's just us talking about what we watch on TV. Yeah. Um, usually, usually almost always. And then mm-hmm. from there, we will, uh, get on our little, uh, converted school bus, mm-hmm. uh, to a museum of our choosing uh so today it's my turn and mm-hmm. I can't wait to take you to where we're going
0: oh I can't wait um
1: and next week it'll be Megan's turn and we're going to teach you so many things uh none yeah. of it will be useful I can almost guarantee that <laughs> no um, unless you go to trivia oh uh, we and honestly you are welcome for all that yeah. gaining <laughs> um <laughs> so I think that about covers it. I think you got it. Um
0: I want to start out just really quickly by saying um how crazy is it that roly polies are just many armadillos? Okay. <laughs> You're right. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, that was something I realized this week. It's just like what, you know, how many animals have really tiny versions of them?
1: Oh, I- can't think of that many at all no so that's that's true true. (laughs) true. yeah
0: teacup teacup size
1: (laughs) (laughs) um but what have you been up
0: to this week um
1: so we were on vacation earlier Mm -hmm. this week which feels like a lifetime ago and it was just really wonderful uh we just booked a cabin in the mountains, like an hour and a half from our house. And honestly, I just sat in a hot tub and drank wine and gimlets the entire time. And it was beautiful. A literal dream. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So most of my week has just been me trying to readjust back to normal (laughs) society life, which is the bummer. It's amazing how quickly That you know, like it only takes a few days for me to really just shut down all sense of reality. (laughs) You should explore that part of your psyche, maybe. Yeah, see see what's
0: going on. (laughs) I'll uh, add that to my therapy agenda. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we'll see if we have time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, have you been watching anything good?
1: Yes, okay, tell me everything. So, I I don't know if you will have seen this, but as you know, I have a deep love for British panel shows. Yes, I do know that about you. <laughs> I love them so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have recently been just flying through full episodes of Taskmaster. Have you ever seen? Never heard one? of it. No. I okay. I know that. You are just hours away from watching the Super Bowl today, um, yeah. but just find some find some YouTube clips. All the episodes are the full length episodes are on YouTube. Um, but basically, <laughs> there's these two comedians, um, Alex Horn and uh, Greg Davies, and mm-hmm. Greg is the task master, and then Alex is he created the show, but he's like the assistant. <laughs> which is okay. Great. (laughs) And so they set these tasks and that are just like absolutely insane. And then a, um, every season there's a new cast of like comedians that goes and they have to do these tasks. And so, um, and then they film it and then, come back into this like theater to watch them perform their tasks and then they give out ratings and then whoever has (laughs) the most points at the end of the season is the winner amazing it's so good so they have um like (laughs) one of the tasks we watched a compilation of was the um you know whoever sneezes first wins your time starts now (laughs) okay (laughs) Um, one of them was, uh, you have one minute to eat as much watermelon as you possibly can, which is, I honestly would win both of those two things. (laughs) I'm almost always
0: on the verge of a sneeze.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, and people get so creative. And so, um, then there was one where it was like, you know make this gigantic block of ice disappear whoever does it the fastest wins and so it's all these comedians so the way they're going about this is in no way like competitive really <laughs> <laughs> they're just it's just so absurd um, um and i cannot tell you how much joy it brings me and there's so many good people on there um a lot of them you know kind of cycle i know from like watching a million British panel TV shows. Right, right. Um, but there are quite a few people from, um, the show ghosts. Oh, my favorite, yes, your favorite. Um, and, um, yeah, there's just, it's I'll have to check it out. So funny. It's so funny. It's on YouTube. It's on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just I cannot explain to you how good it is and how happy it makes me and I just love it so much so we've been watching that I mean just hours and hours of Taskmaster there's like 12 seasons out and it's oh God. so good um it's so good but the other one was like uh they dropped them all off at a mall and then the first person to high five someone who was 55 years old won <laughs> Cannot. Yeah, there's a one of the seasons has um, James Acaster, my favorite. Then there's mm-hmm. another season that has Noel Fielding, who is just amazing, incredible. It's we love so good. You're going to love it. Okay, I can't wait for you to watch. I it. believe you. <laughs> so good. Oh, I love it so much. Um, and it just makes me want to like throw a party where it's like a Taskmaster party where we just have all of our friends do like the weirdest things. And then you and I are just judging them. (laughs) I'm fully on board for that. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, What have you been watching?
0: I have been watching several things, but first I have to say we we've hit a big milestone because we are finally in the last season of the Sopranos. wow so you know i know you're really we haven't you're really
1: trucking along
0: you're really getting we, it. we're almost there and dare i say the further i've gotten to this it took it took me to about season five but i'm now looking forward to watching these
1: episodes wow. <laughs> the sign of a great television show yeah
0: <laughs> wanting to watch it yeah five seasons into it <laughs> um but I, let's see, last night I started, um, now I watched some of it with you and Matt, but I, I, it made me, I, last night I thought about, oh, Mike would love this. I don't know why we haven't watched it sooner, but I put on, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson, <laughs> which is so, so Mike good. would love that. <laughs> yeah. He was cracking up. Um,
1: So good.
0: This morning. I realized that season two of catching killers is Mm. on Netflix, which is a show where every episode is a different serial killer. And they talk Mm. about how they caught them. And this morning I watched the one for BTK. I fucking idiot. He caught himself. (laughs) He really did. But here's the thing. I turned it on thinking, oh, you know, I'll let this play while I do something else. Because I know everything there is to know about BTK. What I didn't realize is that um, I didn't know that he was caught 25 years after killing all those people. He
1: like raised his daughter to adulthood and then was like, okay. And then he just started sending in letters that absolutely gave him away. Yeah. Like such an idiot. The BTK case is absolutely insane to me because oh, it's, yeah. Amazing. Scary. It's so scary. So
0: crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I learned that new piece of information, which I was just so surprised about.
1: I I had no idea. It's crazy. It's like it's Um, just like Golden State Killer. Yeah, exactly. Like 30 years later or something. It's insane.
0: That's always so scary when it takes them that long to find these guys. Yeah. Um, the other documentary I watched this week was puppet master. Have you seen this yet? No. Okay. You have to watch it. It's, uh, it's on Netflix and, um, it's about this guy, this British guy who was a con man and they, they, they start off by these days,
1: is you their know, stories, not, not, <laughs> yeah, not them. Specifically.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not her type. Don't worry. Yeah, it's not my type. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they start out by telling like a more modern day, um, instance of this con man, but they, d- they also direct it back to like, t- like 20 years before in his first kind of like when he got caught, but essentially he would pretend to be, um, a spy for MI5, um, and, and what? trick these people into thinking that they were in some sort of trouble and have them, um, be on the run with him. Wow. Uh, and give up all of their money and their livelihood mm-hmm. and everything. So really, oh really God. good documentary. Okay. Um, watch please watch it. The other thing that I've watched actually a lot, I guess this week. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I watched this week was the, um, woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. <laughs>
1: Isn't Have that you like watched Kristen it? Bell? Yes. Yeah. I haven't watched it but I did see that it was I like scrolled past on Netflix and I just I love her and I just <sighs> I I know like they recently did like The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard or something like they just keep I I love nothing more <laughs> than when you know people spend money on just like these elaborate prank movies. It's so funny.
0: Yeah, it's so good. So it's a parody um if you all haven't seen it or heard of it it's a parody on um I mean I would assume the woman in the window but I think yeah, really
1: that whole genre
0: <laughs> the whole genre of like thriller you know I don't know exactly <laughs> how to describe that genre but it's so over the top and like I love it. <laughs> so funny um I highly recommend it uh, okay I will watch it um My other and final recommendation is not TV. However, it is a podcast because last week, our dearest friend, Colleen, (laughs) (laughs) Colleen Ladrick um, started a podcast. It's called Colleen Can. And um, I've only seen it on Spotify. I don't know um, if it's streaming anywhere Mm. else. I'll have to ask her about that. Um, But we love Colleen. She is truly one of the funniest people we've ever known. Mm -hmm. Um, So please go listen to her podcast
1: and hear all of her just really incredible opinions on everything. Yes. And here is um, the highest compliment I can give to Colleen, which I realize I can also give the exact same one to Megan Um, because Colleen and I used to live together um, and I can still I still find her funny. I still... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like this That's a, is a sign line. of really great friendship when you can uh you know live together and and make it out of the other side i think as friends i agree um, that is um mm. absolutely true yeah so go listen to colleen
0: can on spotify we mm-hmm. want to have her on the podcast soon so yes. hopefully you guys fall in love with her before just that like happens. we did
1: just like we did exactly yes. like that this is i've been new... with her yeah. <laughs> this is our new colleen ladrick uh Fan podcast. That's right. <laughs> that's it. This is what we're turning into. <laughs> yeah <laughs> amazing. Uh, that's um, my whole list. Okay. I have um two other things, <laughs> okay, okay. Um that I have been wanting, I, and maybe I'll save one. we'll see, but I wanted to start with this one um because a few weeks ago, actually, I don't know when it was it was a while ago, you took us to the pasta museum. I did. Yes. Indeed. And um I found <laughs> on Reddit, of course, mm-hmm. a um a, a well, you know how much I love data <laughs> and you know how yeah. that's like a big a big thing for me is you know big data, data girl Big over data there. girl, yeah. big data head. And <laughs> <laughs> so I found a list with um it's called you're all doing Italian food wrong, say Italians. Um and so this was a survey that was conducted with a variety of countries um, to see, you know, what they listed a um variety of certain behaviors relating to Italian foods um, okay. and had people rate whether or not uh they think it's acceptable to do these, and then compared that to the average answer from Italians. Oh boy. So going from most acceptable to Italians to least acceptable to Italians. Okay. Here we go. Um, so number one, eating pizza for lunch, feeling yeah, good about that one. Everyone loves it. Sure. Uh, number two, uh, in, in, you know, right behind having bolognese sauce with spaghetti. Um, okay. What do they normally have it with? I would assume marinara.
0: No. What do they normally have bolognese sauce with? Oh, um, I don't know. I would maybe pappardelle. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Who knows? Okay. Um, also acceptable, eating pizza with a fork rather than your hands. Okay. Um, and then also acceptable, having meatballs with spaghetti. Um, okay. Now this is where we get into the uh, section that is divisive among Italians. Okay. Uh, having risotto as an appetizer or side dish supposed to be a main kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so, so say some Italians, not all, (laughs) um, I really thought this would be more on the unacceptable side of things, but putting oil in the water, you are cooking your pasta in. Why would you do that?
0: Yeah. So you're not supposed to do that because because the sauce will not stick to the pasta. It just coats the pasta.
1: Yeah, Right. Stupid. Uh, you're it's also divisive to snap dry spaghetti before boiling it. Yeah. Um, and then additionally adding plain pasta to a plate or bowl and then adding the sauce afterwards. I also am not a big fan of that. Yeah. Same. And yeah. the only time I'll do that really is if it's like just have no energy to cook and we're just making spaghetti and I'm just like putting a little tiny dollop onto it. So I have less dishes to do. (laughs) Sure. I'm not a big fan of that with anything though, because I'll tell
0: you, like if, if you plop some dressing on top of my salad and you don't like mix mix a salad before serving it to me, I am not a big fan of that.
1: No, So I get that. Uh, here's what's unacceptable to Italians, uh, in order of most to least acceptable. Okay. Having garlic bread with a pasta meal, which I feel Yum. personally attacked by. Because Wait. why wouldn't you? It's not acceptable for them, is what they say.
0: What Everywhere else
1: does that. All the other countries they surveyed were like very positive okay. towards that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because it's garlic bread. Have you ever had it, Italian? Yes. Yeah. It- it- Italia, Italy. <laughs> please try it. Um also unacceptable to not add salt to the boiling water for your pasta. Um, which yeah. is similarly divisive among the countries they surveyed. Okay. Um, also un- always accept- add salt. Yeah. Why would you yeah. not taste so much better? Yeah. Salt is, is King. Yeah. So salt is King. Um, <laughs> it's also unacceptable to Italians to drink a cappuccino after an Italian meal, which is very specific. Uh, okay. Um, acceptable to rinse or cool off cooked pasta under cold water, which I don't know why you do that unless you're making like a pasta salad, which is just not even pretending to be Italian.
0: Well, here's the thing. I would do it if, if um, like to stop the cooking process, if my sauce or whatever isn't quite done just yet, then I would do it so that it's still al dente. But that's the only reason.
1: I guess Italians are saying you need to, uh, have better time, time it better in the kitchen. Okay. All right. Fair, <laughs> fair. I'll take that one. Um, Italians don't like to have cheese on a pasta meal that contains seafood. Yeah.
0: That one I recognize and, and mm-hmm. understand. And although I will say, I think there are some seafoods that it is acceptable to have cheese with. And
1: I will say that typically those are shellfish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Um, uh, Italians also don't like including cream and carbonara sauce, right? Um, they don't like cutting long pasta with a knife. Okay. Um, they don't like having pasta as a side dish, which, okay. I mean, I'll take it as any dish, honestly. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. Um, here's as where long we as get it's a little, going into my mouth. Yeah. Here's where I'm uh, feeling attacked. Okay. Having pineapple on a pizza. They don't like pineapple. They don't like it. But have they tried it?
0: Yeah. Have you guys tried it? Because it really is so it's fucking good. It's so
1: good. good. Ugh, I just I could go on and on and on about. I, and I get it. I mean, I know there are a lot of
0: people who are like anti-pineapple on pizza. Sure. Which like whatever, like shut don't the care fuck about up. You, yeah. yeah, I I simply don't care about you, even though one of those people is my husband. Um oh, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> But it's just so good.
1: Pineapple mm-hmm. bacon, I mean cheese. Uh, pineapple bacon better. is my favorite combination of all. Same. It's and so this good. is why we're friends. This is why we're friends. <laughs> um, I've never heard of this. Putting pasta in cold water and then boiling it.
0: <laughs> oh, like waiting for it to come to a boil before you yeah, put pasta Like in. it's a <laughs> like <why? laughs> Yeah, that would not be smart um, to do
1: that. And then potentially the most offensive thing I've ever seen, which is similarly. Uh, the least acceptable to Italians. Oh boy, is having ketchup with pasta. Ew! Uh, the country that um rated the highest for that. Philippines. Oh shit! I don't know what flag. <laughs> isn't
0: that? What, oh, it's Hong um, Kong. Isn't well? Maybe it's that Filipino spaghetti is just has a really sweet tomatoey sauce. Ugh,
1: yeah. Hong Kong apparently really, yeah, distinctively
0: that. sweet sauce, usually made from tomato sauce, sweetened with brown sugar or banana ketchup. Okay,
1: insane! So
0: that's Filipino spaghetti, and they cut up hot dogs and put it on it too. Apparently, oh it's supposed God. to be good. I'll try it before I, I, mean, I do. Love you know, hot dogs, I do
1: love spaghetti, so I love
0: all those things. So. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, wow.
1: So that, uh, now, you know,
0: well, and I feel like, um, you know, Italians, no matter where they are on that, mm-hmm. um, on that boot, um, just have strong opinions. And yeah. I, I think that maybe, maybe just relax a little bit, you guys.
1: I will just point out the irony in you saying that. Yeah. Just but spell. I'm not the one on trial here. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, all right. Well, Amazing. on that note, should we say Ariva Derchi to this intro? <laughs> yeah, Ariva Derchi intro. Yeah. Bye intro. Um so we're gonna go to a museum. Yeah. I would just like to say um, that I know that this is coming out on Valentine's day. Um, and I would just like to say that I forgot about that. So this has, in, <laughs> this has nothing to do with Valentine's day and I was going to try to doubled spin it. down last year. We so really doubled down. Yeah. If you haven't yeah. listened yet, um, we did a, a big Valentine's day special. It was the museum Huge. of broken relationships and, uh, the museum of love or the love museum. Um, yeah. And that
0: was episode oh it was a bonus and we yeah, put it, it out on bonus. february 11th
1: yes the valentine's day megasode. sode mega sode um yeah it was a great time it was i mean we did hear a lot about breakups it was kind of mm-hmm. a bummer but it was good it's a good museum of broken relationships is still one of my favorite museums i've ever so good had. so so good Read right about i can't wait to go to croatia mm-hmm. okay so for our non-Valentine's Day special, <laughs> our regular son. yeah, uh, Clay Emery met Rod Hildebrand one day at their local dog park in Portsmouth, New Hampshire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The two hit it off and became fast friends. Soon the pair was spending their post-retirement days hanging out in Clay's basement, working on their shared hobby of model building. Okay. From what I could gather, Clay is quite the extrovert. He's really the Megan to Rod's Madison. Okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So he began to invite the public in to see the models they'd made. Today, a flag hangs in front of the entrance during open hours, and visitors can experience the Museum of Dumb Guy stuff free of charge. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes. I love it. Um, and I would just like to say, and I think we'll get into this in, um, an article that I have, um, but it really does kind of depend where you put the emphasis here. Cause it could be the museum of dumb guy stuff or the museum of dumb guy stuff. Right. So like, is it about the guys or about the stuff? What is dumb? Uh, it's a real classic, you know, snafu of the English language, um, sure. and Rod and Clay uh on purpose left it ambiguous because they mm. want their visitors to be the to be the judge.
0: I think though when it comes to guys, the dumb is always assumed. So I don't think yeah. that you need to it's say it's dumb guys dumb
1: and guys. dumb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not it's not kidding. I actually love these two so much. Yeah. So I know normally I like to start with the history of the museum um and or the objects it displays. Uh, but this museum is a bit different and I feel like I should set the scene a bit first. Okay. Oh, also, I forgot. I just skipped over all of my sources because I have um, approximately 400. Cool. Um, so articles from Roadside America and Alice Obscura are favorites. Um, mm-hmm. There's an article that I found in a couple of different places, fosters.com and seacoastonline.com that I'll um, actually just read verbatim to you <laughs> later. <Great. laughs> so we'll get there. Uh, TripAdvisor. Uh, there's a YouTube video I watched um, where a local news channel um, interviewed these two, editors a tour of the museum. Um, and I think I referenced um, every single Wikipedia article there is.
0: <laughs> okay, great. I, I was <laughs>
1: on, I mean, I got down a really deep Wikipedia rabbit hole. Love it. Okay. So let's start off. We're in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Uh, which for our friends abroad, that is the top right corner of the United States. Um, so it's new England, um, Portsmouth history dates back to at least 1603. Um, Mm -hmm. it has quite a long Wikipedia page. Uh, there's a lot of slave trade history. There's an appearance by Paul Revere on one of his warning rides Oh. Uh, But for better or worse, what it's mostly known for uh, are it's, uh, it is mostly known for its history as one of the nation's busiest ports and shipbuilding cities. Um, Not Mm. anymore, but back then. Sure. Uh, This caused it to gain quite a bit of wealth. uh, And so the way Portsmouth at large chose to display that wealth was this like beautiful architecture um, for their city buildings and their houses. Mm um now it's a popular tourist destination and a like historical cultural hot spot um okay so we're in this quaint new england town it's right on the water um let's head to its historic district there are these gorgeous stately old houses there's cobblestone sidewalks it's really cute uh, the whole nine yards And right on the water, which is the Piscataqua River, um, is this red, like, Georgian colonial house uh, with a staircase leading up front, uh, up to the front door, um, and then a basement door, like, directly underneath. Sure. Yeah. Um, And hanging from this staircase is a big flag that says open. Okay. And across the top, someone has written in Sharpie, Museum of Dumb Guy Stuff. I love it. I love that so much. I just this energy is exactly what I needed. Yeah, I love it. Um, okay. <laughs> so you go past the flag and you open the door and you get some real man cave vibes, uh, but not in like the toxic toxic masculinity like frat bro vibes. It's like your if your grandfather was really into action figures. <laughs> okay, and perfect. Model yeah. <laughs> Uh, the space itself is just jam-packed with toys and craft supplies. Uh, Christmas lights are just hanging from every beam. <laughs> it's oh. so cute. cute. Um, the building itself, the, you know, it's um, Clay Emery's actual house. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> um, so it's lots lot, there's in the basement, there's lots of exposed brick and stone and it's like Um, It looks incredible, and so I looked at the house up on Zillow to see when it was built, Um, and it looks like, and I don't know how this works, but in 1813, two older residences were combined somehow to create this one, Um, and so the initial like infrastructure potentially dates back to the 16 or 1700s. That's incredible. Imagine living in a building that was built in the 1600s.
0: I mean, that's my dream.
1: I mean, I would just get haunted. All day, yeah, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Haunt me. Um, close. and then uh Rod and Clay have added their own hand-painted murals um all over the place to kind of go with some of these scenes that they have cool. Built. It's really cute, and then in the middle of the room is Rod's masterpiece. Um it's a historically accurate working model train to scale of a train yard and town in 1959 Dover, New Hampshire. Um which I here's the thing. I think that if I had the time and money and space and attention span, I would be really into model like building. <laughs>
0: Oh, I think yeah. that that's
1: like my exact, like the exact intersection of all my interests. Like, there's history, um, uh-huh. alone time, detail, smaller version of something. Small, yeah, tiny things. Yeah, love it. I'm mm. on board. If they need any, you know, model armadillos, we should let them know to just get a roly poly. Get a rollable roly poly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, how, what a bummer it is for roly polies that that's their name.
0: Yeah, is there not a more official name for them? I've mean, just I'm always sure called is. them pill bugs. Aren't they pill also bugs, called pill bugs? Yeah, but like But Rolly poly is cuter. It is cuter. <laughs>
1: um okay. The rest of the basement room is work of clay showcased in which clay the name, not clay, the material, mm-hmm. uh showcased in hand built custom displays that line the walls. I mean, it truly is jam-packed in this place. Sure these are smaller less historical model scenes with the emphasis on action figures Mm -hmm. um and there's a pretty wide range of displays which we'll get into we'll go through a little Mm -hmm. tour in a little bit um but just to give you a little teaser written on the sides of the flag out front um so it's one of those flags it's like it's red white and blue like Uh, vertical stripes. And so it's, and it says open down the middle. And so they have museum of dumb guy stuff across the top. And then on the like blue and red stripes, they have all these things written. And so here's what I could see that was written on there. Model railroad, (laughs) GI Joe dioramas, action figures, Uh comic book figures, Western town and piano. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> One of these is not like the other. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Oh, man. Um, so there is unsurprisingly not a ton of information out there about this museum. Sure. Uh, they don't have a website, social media, a phone number, any uh-huh. contact information. Um, they don't even have regular hours. You just have to go there and hope that the flag is waving out front because that means Amazing. that they're open for tours. <laughs> Oh my God, I love that. I'm not sure what exactly some of those things that I mentioned entail, um, but I did learn a bit more about action figures and the uh, hobby of model building during my research. So that's uh, how I'm going to spend most of my time here. So uh, as we know, an action figure is simply a doll for boys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This was a term coined by Hasbro in 1964 when they were marketing GI Joe. And they figured that boys wouldn't want to play with a toy called a doll, since that would be obviously hugely detrimental to their fragile egos. Right. Um, devastating. And devastating. Most action figures are articulated, which we learned about when we um, talked about the Mutter Museum, mm-hmm. which just means that they have movable joints. Right. Um, and articulated dolls date back to at least 200 BCE, which is crazy. Really? Um, yep. So ancient Greeks and Romans would make figures out of clay and wood. I don't, huh. that was all that was on Wikipedia. Okay. Um, by the early modern period, artists were creating opposable mannequins, like those, um, model ones that everyone has from Ikea, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah Um, and the <laughs> Japanese were making Ichimatsu dolls, um, which I, when I looked those up I they're hard to describe in a way that's like distinct but if you look them up you'll know what I'm talking about they're like those like porcelain dolls the ones that I saw were all wearing these like really fancy kimonos and they looked like geishas oh, yeah, yeah 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 these definitely um, look familiar mm-hmm. yeah I've seen them in museums before um mm-hmm. but yes um okay where was I From there, we moved to the modern ball joints we see in most dolls today, uh, which that uh, technology uh, was created in Western Europe in the late 19th century. Mm. Uh, So when it comes to actually, you know, action figures, we have kind of two main influences, just basic articulated dolls, but then also toy soldiers, Uh, so toy soldiers were another important historical influence on GI Joe specifically and modern action figures. Uh, if there's one thing that cultures worldwide tend to love throughout history, it's their militaries. Oh yeah. Uh, so it's no surprise that soldier figurines date back to ancient times. Sure. Uh, ancient Egyptians are known to have made them and have, um, in a really, you know, classic ancient Egypt move, uh, buried them in their tombs with them. <laughs> they really <laughs> they did can that play with everything with them in the huh? afterlife. <laughs> I remember when I was taking AP art history in high school and my teacher was just like, um, it was like the day before the exam and she was the best teacher. So we were all so like prepared or whatever, but her like mm-hmm. final, um, you know, like study tip for us was if it's about ancient Egypt it's about death
0: <laughs> it, was <just> like, <laughs> it was it was like so I mean truly yeah. it
1: yeah. truly is that was their whole mm-hmm. thing yeah. um or, or at least what you know that's what we have left what we to know go off about, of. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and then Germany started producing tin soldiers by the 1730s um and as demand uh increased for those, they changed their methods um, to get some, you know, types of figurines that we might recognize more today. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: So in the mid 1960s, a few toy companies attempted to bring an articulated doll for boys to mass market in the United States. Uh, As I mentioned a few minutes ago, Hasbro coined the term action figure in 1964 for their instant classic G.I. Joe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe was military themed, um, you know, he was, he was a military themed doll, uh, that could wear different masculine outfits. It was created by a man named Stan Weston. Uh, Weston licensed the entire concept to Hasbro for a hundred K, uh, which in today's money is just under a million, which is good, but I feel like he probably, uh, deserved a little more. Yeah, for sure. Especially considering the influence that GI Joe had on all the stuff I'm about to read you. Mm. Uh, so, Hasbro, in turn, actually licensed the product to a bunch of other companies within the market, uh, which helped turn GI Joe into the global phenomenon it is and was at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh, it was licensed to a company called Palatoy in the UK uh, to sell their version of GI Joe, which was just called Action Man um <laughs> which <laughs> just I mean so creative yeah. um, <laughs> and then <laughs> in turn to a japanese company uh named takara now takara sold a smaller more science fictiony version of the toy called microman um because at the time that they were creating um, these toys, there were a bunch of, um, like supply shortages basically. And normal GI Joes were like, you know, a foot tall. And so they had to shrink everything, um, to Uh, keep up with demand, um, due to limited, uh, resources. And so they just went with it and caught a microman. Cute. I know. Um, then in 1971, an American toy company called Mego began making action figures based on Marvel and DC comic book characters. In 1976, a company called Kenner, which um, I think was either a part of Sears or they did they did this specifically for Sears, mm-hmm. I don't remember, gained the license to produce Star Wars figurines, and oh. the world was just fully never the same. Yeah. Uh, these became hugely popular and an instant collector's item obviously still sought after today mm-hmm. um, and changed the landscape of masculine dolls. <laughs> <laughs> I was clearly on one when I wrote all this. Yeah, I love um, it. <laughs> yeah. While well, GI Joe and friends were Barbie doll sized, they were 11.5 inches um, and they had, a uh, they were opposable and had different outfits that were sold separately. Kenner's figurines were much smaller. They were like three and a three quarters inches. Uh, mm-hmm. They were static. They couldn't move and had their clothes painted onto their bodies. Um, mm. This meant that they could sell a lot more figurines and make a lot more money because sure. you couldn't just, you know, make your own clothing really. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I have been and will continue uh, to shit on the concept of renaming, renaming it also it won't seem too feminine. <laughs> um, I also do have to, you know, give them props because it did work. <laughs> yeah, it um, definitely did. It definitely, yeah, they definitely knew their audience, so props to them. Another company called Roscoe uh, attempted to make a toy very similar to GI Joe a year later, before GI Joe had really like made it big, um, and this was called Johnny Hero. Okay, um, and this guy looked you know, the exact same, just a Ken doll looking motherfucker, uh, but he was a bit more into sports than, you know, the military. Uh, so he had all of these, you know, different like sport uniforms, uh, yeah. but Johnny hero was not set up for success because Roscoe chose to market him as a boy's doll. Uh, and that's why we've never heard. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah.
0: Big mistake. Big mistake. We know boys cannot deal with having something called a doll.: yeah.
1: Nope,
0: it's too much
1: for them. Yeah. Um, if any toy execs are listening, I do have a suggestion for a revamp of the GI. Joe, and okay. I think we call it the gastrointestinal Joe. Okay. teach kids teach kids about um, you know, healthy digestion.
0: I think that's a really good idea.) <laughs> I
1: mean, it's just like some minor
0: branding tweaks and we're good. It feels more appropriate for kids if yeah. we're just teaching them anatomy.
1: Yeah. Rather than war. Okay. So this is um, a little excerpt from um, the Wikipedia article on action figures uh, in regards to collecting. Cause that is something that to me, I just like had a hard time. I, I don't know. I've seen, I know people who collect these antique things and that, you know, that I get, okay. Maybe you played with this when you were a kid or maybe you just like the history of it, but I have mm-hmm. a hard time understanding people who um, are collecting things that are like still being produced sure. um, just because to me, that doesn't seem as fun. But, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> And so here's a little uh, blurb kind of along those lines. So as the 80s were ending, more and more collectors started to surface, buying up the toys to keep in their original packaging for display purposes and for future collectability. This led to flooding of the action figure toy market. One of the most popular action figure lines of the late 80s and early 90s, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figures were produced in such high quantities that the value for most figures would never be higher than a few dollars. Oh my um, gosh. So I feel a little vindicated in that opinion, but I do yeah. also get that, like, people were collecting, you know, in the eighties people were like, oh, okay. I played with these, you know, GI Joes or these figurines that came out in the late sixties, early seventies, and they're mm-hmm. worth so much now, and they're still making these new things. So I should save some so that in 20 years I can make a fortune off of it. Um, and so I guess yeah. like that you know, makes it a little bit, makes it make a little bit more sense to me, I guess. Um, it's, it's exactly like the princess Diana beanie baby. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, you, (laughs) it's exactly like that, where you try (laughs) to like, you know, build this whole economy based on toys. It just doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, but I love that the, you know, that, that really backfired on those capitalists. (laughs)
0: love to see that
1: happen yeah. <laughs> uh so companies did try other ways to capitalize on those collectors um and they would use the same character molds um but just with different paint jobs <laughs> to make tons mm-hmm. of variation of one character mm. um so just a million batmans you know doing every possible in every possible outfit um <laughs> and it was cheap for them sure makes sense <sighs> um, another quote from Wikipedia that I thought was interesting, and I know that, um, you know, this isn't necessarily like new information, um, but just an interesting thing too keep in mind, um, a 1999 study found that quote, the figures have grown much more muscular over time with many contemporary figures far exceeding the mass, the muscularity of even the largest human bodybuilders End quote, (laughs) and that change and that the changing cultural expectations reflected by those changes may contribute to body image disorders in both sexes. Yeah. Oh, a
0: hundred percent. And like, I, I think that I, I also think that it goes along with like the gender separation when it comes to, mm-hmm. to child children's toys, yeah. but like, I don't, it's not that I don't think it is that these companies don't ever consider the psychology psychological no. effect that it has on yeah. children. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's just like, That's if disappointing.
1: Are, yeah, if you were a tiny, tiny child, everything is a data point, you know, yeah. like on how you view the world and yourself. And I agree. I wish there were some, um, you know, there's some more thought. Okay. So I also need to share, I'm going to read you this Wikipedia article. It's like two sentences long. Absolutely insane to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is Toy Biz Inc. versus United States.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, so Toy Biz versus United States was a 2003 decision in the United States Court of International Trade that the de- that determined that for purpose of tariffs, Toy Biz action figures were toys, not dolls, because they represented, quote, non-human creatures. Okay. Um, the decision effectively halved the tariff rate from 12% tax to 6.8%. Oh, my God. Isn't that insane?
0: What? Um,
1: Just, I don't know. And so it says uh, the harmonized tariff schedule in US law distinguished between two types of action figures for determining tariffs dolls, which are defined to include human figures, and toys, which include non-human creatures. Because duties on dolls were higher than those on toys, Marvel Comics subsidiary Toy Biz argued before the U.S. Court of International Trade that their action figures, including the X-Men and Fantastic Four, represented, quote, non-human creatures and were subject to the lower tariff rates for toys instead of the higher ones for dolls. On January 3rd, 2003, after examining more than 60 action figures, Judge Judith Barzillet ruled in their favor, granting Toy Biz reimbursement for import taxes on previous toys. It
0: just seems so petty. It's so petty. I'm not going to pretend to understand tariffs. No. But that feels feels
1: like a waste
0: of time and money to have to go to court for that.
1: Yeah, I would love, actually, I would just probably get pissed off, but I would love to know how much money they spent on this lawsuit. Oh, a lot. Um, So because a common theme in Marvel comics had been the struggle for mutants like the X-Men to prove their humanity, the case shocked numerous fans.
0: Mm.
1: Marvel responded to these concerns by claiming, quote, our heroes are living, breathing human beings, but humans who have extraordinary abilities. A decision that the X-Men figures indeed do have non-human characteristics further proves our characters have special out-of-this-world powers. Um, the harmonized tariff schedule was amended to eliminate the distinction between dolls and other toys, which are now in the same category. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, just so fascinating to me. Yeah. Insane. Okay. Um, so when it comes to model building, this is a huge industry with a ton of different uses and categories, Um, But at large, model building refers to the hobby of using kits to create lifelike, two-scale miniatures of a person, place, or thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, From Wikipedia, quote, the model building kits can be classified according to skill levels that represent the degree of difficulty for the hobbyist. These include skill level one with snap together pieces that do not require glue or paint, skill level two, which requires glue and paint, Mm -hmm. and skill level three kits that include smaller and more detailed parts. Advanced skill levels, four and five kits ship with components that have extra fine details, particularly level five requires expert level skills. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that it was like that standard. Like there were levels to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me neither. Crazy. Um, obviously though, model building isn't exclusive to hobbyists, just like tunneling my ring. Right. Um, <laughs> Some do it, it, <laughs> it professionally. Some uh, And it's used by architects, engineers, and other professions to ensure proper planning and accuracy on IRL builds.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So if we return to Portsmouth. Is it Portsmouth or Port? Oh, I kept calling it the wrong thing. Portsmouth, I think it's yeah. Portsmouth. Yeah. <laughs> so if we return to our friends at the Museum of Dumb Guy Stuff, uh, the guys do a lot of model building. Both of them use a model building technique called kit bashing, uh, which okay. is using parts from model kits um, and making something else out of them. So they'll just kind of combine oh, a bunch cool. of different, isn't that cool? Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like I mentioned, Rod has used this technique to build an entire diorama diorama of the 1950s town, making every single piece by hand. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know enough about model building to know if that means that he opted not to kit bash for this specific diorama or if that counts as building it by hand. I think it probably does because he's taking things that exist, but then like, and and he's like, you know, cutting them and like filing things down and repainting them. So he's just taking these like, you know, basically raw materials and Mm. I think he is, but I don't know. That's cool. Um, And so one of the things that he makes by hand Includes the rocks. Um, and in the YouTube video I watched, Clay was making fun of Rod for choosing to make rocks by hand when they live in uh, the granite state, which new thing <laughs> I learned about New Hampshire is that it is yeah. the granite state. And uh, he was like, there's just rocks everywhere. It's like, I mean, <laughs> it's our whole thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, there's rocks everywhere, dude. Um, <laughs> but Rod <laughs> says it's more fun to be able to say that he made everything, including the rocks. Yeah. Which is fair. I get it. Yeah. Uh, Clay's dioramas, though, definitely use kit bashing and then a similar uh, technique that he referred to as conversion. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, Clay will take a variety of dolls and action figures and add to them, change them, paint them, you know, really just go wild uh, to turn them into what he's envisioning, which is funny because in the examples that I saw, almost all of them, you could just you know they had commercially available figurines of their own. Right. So it's like, why did you go through the trouble of turning Barbie into Superwoman? Um <laughs> just for fun. Yeah. But it's for fun. You know, it's a hobby. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Um okay so I found this article on a few different websites uh that describes a bit more of the contents of the museum and I figured it would just be easier to read it verbatim than mm-hmm. to pretend that you know I was <laughs> not. Yeah. Um, and this is let me go back uh, by Elizabeth Dinan, and was published on September 16th, 2018 for seacoastonline.com. Okay. Okay. And some of this we already know, but you know, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Off the beaten track of Portsmouth's cultural, historic, and arts attractions is the Museum of Dumb Guy Stuff, intentionally named without a hyphen so visitors can draw their own conclusions. (laughs) It's in the eye of the beholder whether the museum displays dumb guy stuff or dumb guy stuff. Dumb guy stuff or dumb guy stuff. It's so hard to. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's a tough difference. The toughie, Uh,
1: said Clayton Emery, whose antique mechanic street home houses the museum in its basement. The contents are collections of customized action figures displayed in dioramas, a scale train set in 1959 New England, uh, and a piano Emery is learning to play by watching online videos. Amazing piano. So the piano, <laughs> the piano. <laughs> uh, quote. He's doing it because he got the piano for free, said museum co-curator Rod Hildebrand, who met Emery at the Portsmouth Dog Park. <laughs> Both retired, the friends began assembling the train set two and a half years ago, and still consider it a work in progress. At the same time, they've been making and displaying the action figures in various handmade settings to depict scenes like an Old West saloon and a World War II bunker. Quote, we're just a couple of guys who want to share hobbies, said Hildebrand, retired after working for 22 years as a manager for the Apple Computer Company. heard Mm -hmm.
0: of them. heard of them.
1: Uh, Emery has written multiple novels under his own name, two under a pseudonym. And worked as a blacksmith farmhand surveyor, technical writer, and a zookeeper at Benson's Wild Animal Farm. I also, um, man. I know real Renaissance, man. I also saw that he's a volunteer firefighter, which is just one of my favorite. Love it. Love that that exists. Yeah. Uh, he jokes, he's quote, been fired from more jobs than most people have ever worked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what a brag. I know. I love <laughs> Uh The men first hung an open flag in front of their workshop announcing it was an open workspace for hobbyists. But Hildebrand thought they needed a better message. Emery came up with the Museum of Dumb Guy Stuff name. And since then, they've had locals and tourists stop in to see what the heck a Museum of Dumb Guy Stuff is. Other giggling passersby have stopped for photos and selfies with the museum's name on the front banner, they said. Uh, the museum curators happily offer tours the centerpiece is hildebrand's train set painstakingly designed to be dover in 1959 but because some critics nitpicked about alleged historic inconsistencies he now calls it a typical new england town of the same year which like it's a call it's called the museum of dumb guy stuff can you just chill out about historical inaccuracies yeah let's chill Uh, There's a cannery, a handmade bridge with a lighted parked car, landscaping, a train yard, uh, Emery's Texaco, a saloon, a cop eating a donut, and a man (laughs) sleeping on a park bench. Oh, cute. Hildebrand said uh, if they built it in his home on a private Portsmouth Street, no one would see it. Quote, it's mostly to share with people, he said. Some of Emery's museum pieces include action figures he disassembled and glued back together in new poses with new clothes and accessories. She-Hulk is going to be Thor's girlfriend with a sword and shield, he said. (laughs) There's the Legion of Superheroes, a vignette that holds Supergirl, Superboy, and Teen Titans reconfigured to interact in a lighted display cabinet. The Marvel Universe holds the likes of Superman, Sandman, the Hulk, and Iron Man, and, Emery said, each of the customized figures takes 10 to 12 hours to create. Hmm. Insane. Sandman? Like the dream guy? I don't know anything about
0: the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I don't either. So? You're going to have to help us. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Tell us who uh, Sandman is. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was the Neil Gaiman book, honestly. Uh, <laughs> d- displayed in his handmade silver dollar saloon is an old west diorama made from vintage G.I. Joe and Barbie dolls he recreated into Western characters. Sewing, modeling, gluing, and hair making are all part of the process. Uh, quote, this is Barbie as a French can-can girl. Emery explained about <laughs> one doll posed on the saloon's balcony. Quote, she fell on hard times and now has to work as a saloon girl. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> so savage. He made a Sean Connery doll into a Western Undertaker and a General Omar Bradley doll into a general storekeeper. Mm. Um <laughs> quote, that's Wonder Woman who is on sale at Toys R Us, Emery dryly notes. She's just visiting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. Uh, uh, Emery said he strives to make the dioramas historically correct, noting a World War II scene depicts a group of German soldiers relaxing in one room while a team of American shoulder, so, shoulders, soldiers are ready to storm with rifles and a flamethrower on the other side of the door. Oh. Two figures were made to depict Emery's wife, Susan uh, Therial, a physician. One is a doctor in the Old West and the other in contemporary time. On one, Emery said he, paint, he made the skirt from a coffee filter, and all of the details are hand-painted. Oh, wow. So cute. <laughs> uh, Hildebrand is currently making a vast display of a French countryside, working under a brick arch hall in the Emery Basement Museum. Quote, Rod's retired, and I have to keep him busy, Emery said, while noting their friend uh, quote, Charlie from the dog park will be joining them to make model airplanes. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I just love these guys so much. Charlie from the dog park. Charlie, they he just they meet all of their hobby friends at the dog park. It's so cute. Yeah,
0: but Charlie is not from the dog park.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what if Charlie's a dog?
0: <laughs> oh my god! Please.
1: <laughs> "Quote: I don't sell them or charge money," Emery said. Our object is to invite people to bring in their hobbies. The Museum of Dumb Guys stuff at 114 or at 114 Mechanic Street in Portsmouth is usually open from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., but the banner will be hung out front to signify when it is cute. It's so cute. These guys look like so much fun there. I just love them. <laughs> um, OK, so since there's truly no online presence for the museum, not even a Facebook page, I could only find one review. Um, it's okay. not that exciting. Uh, It's four bubbles on TripAdvisor from Our Born. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's fun, small place. This is a fun, small place. (laughs) It has a train (laughs) set with two running trains. It has G.I. Joe-like dolls set up in different scenes from movies, television shows, and books. It also has some toy animals in the exhibits. Hmm. Now, (laughs) we'll have to put these on social media um, because this a reviewer did include some pictures. Oh, good. Of the museum that I couldn't find anywhere else. Okay. Um, and there are some really funny displays. So, uh, this first one I'll describe to you is um, what looks like a G.I. Joe, the, the top half of a G.I. Joe, uh, glued to the bottom half of a horse to make a centaur. Uh, obs- I
0: am obsessed with that.
1: Painted entirely black um, and wearing um potentially a tiny david bowie style wig <laughs> please it, oh my god it <laughs> <laughs> it's all too much to take in um okay, well. the second one is pretty boring uh, it's just a scene of some people on like a farm or something um my favorite one maybe is um a scene <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> scene aptly called the three stooges meet cleopatra okay sure (laughs) which i don't think is historically accurate um but it's got the three stooges um in you know an egyptian palace looking thing um and they're talking to our friend cleo and her pet cheetah wow yeah I think the timing might be a little off on little that off, but yeah yeah but, you know still great um there is a like uh, you know safari group I guess um you know roaming through the jungle and there is maybe Jane of Tarzan and Jane above them kind of hiding um okay. Also, hidden in the brush is um, some kind of ambiguously Asian inspired tiny statue, which is probably from like Home Goods or something. Uh-huh. Um, and then a small um, dinosaur skull.
0: Perfect. <laughs> so it has and everything.
1: Again, Christmas lights strung throughout.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just, I love this so
1: much. I cannot wait to look up pictures. You're going to love it. Um, there's <laughs> one that is, um, you know, a bunch of dinosaurs of various sizes, um, mm-hmm. that are just kind of dinosauring around. And in the sure. background, there's an, um, an erupting volcano near so moments before tragedy, I think. And then uh. you can halfway see <laughs> in the display cabinet just below this, um, a scene of the peanuts gang um you know just kind of doing their thing but for some reason (laughs) oh weird for some reason from this picture it appears that charlie brown is tied up by the ankles and hanging from a tree (laughs) no (laughs) good grief (laughs) good grief indeed um okay oh wait here are the other pictures that i saw One that I, I can't be certain, but it, it looks a little bit like a scene from Outlander. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I'm on board (laughs) Yeah, Uh, because it's your classic, you know, red coat guy. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
1: there's a woman wearing, um, you know, a lot. I don't know what that style was, but the kind of like big dress that. Claire wore an Outlander. Oh um, sure, and she's just like back up against a rock, a big rock. Oh. <laughs> big. Stuff. How
0: great would it be if these guys loved Outlander and just like needed to make a diorama I, based? I, on need it. It. <laughs> I need
1: it. So good, um, and that is the museum of dumb guy stuff uh, in. Incredible. So
0: amazing. I cannot wait to look this up. I really want to go. Although I will say like, I've been to New Hampshire a few times and Mm -hmm. like no offense to the people of New Hampshire, but it's not, there just isn't a lot that's memorable about it from my experience. Sure. Sure. Um,
1: But maybe I just haven't been
0: to the right parts of New Hampshire. Yeah.
1: I mean, this looks like a really beautiful place. Um, yeah. yeah, just right on the water, this historic little town. It's cute. Um, but it's I, lovely. It, it is seems lovely. Wow. Um, and okay. There was also one story. I think it might've been in the roadside America article. I don't remember, but, um, where this like 10 year old kid, you know, came in with his family and he was like, you know wandering around for like an hour and at the end he was like this isn't dumb like he was just like waiting for the dumb <laughs> like, thing he's like this is <laughs> awesome and that's just oh that's so,
0: so cute, cute. <laughs>
1: but yeah. also I love that I know I do too but also if there actually were a museum full of like dumb stuff that stereotypically belongs to guys what would it be
0: oh man sport those sports fingers oh the foam
1: fingers yeah so many foam fingers um uh, or you know my house is essentially a museum dedicated to disc golf yeah which is kind of a dumb guy thing it is kind of a dumb guy thing sorry matt um, sorry matt love you um <laughs> trying to think what else uh like axe body spray oh
0: absolutely <laughs>
1: Um, protein powder. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so many blender bottles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh
0: man. We are pissing off a very specific type of person right now.
1: Yeah. But they're not listening to this to begin with.
0: This is not, yeah, that's not our audience. So it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> it's actually okay. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. Amazing. and kind of makes me want to, um, build model things.
1: I know. Yeah. Same. Well, that feels
0: like a therapeutic hobby. Yeah.
1: Well, and, well, and it's so cool too, because like when I went to school up by Chicago, I would always go to the art Institute of Chicago. And, um, there was this like tiny little section tucked away in there that was the like miniatures collection. And mm-hmm. it was these like gorgeous, like super detailed little mini rooms, and they were so cool. And a few months ago, I guess over the summer, um, we went to uh, the Denver Museum of like Miniatures and Toys or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so cool. That seems awesome. It's
0: I so love it. Cool. Oh, beautiful job, campers! Thank you so much for joining us um, for this awesome episode. It was awesome. Um, awesome, <laughs> awesome. We're thankful <laughs> for our our campers that have been here since the beginning. We're thankful totally. for our brand new ones. Yeah. Um, it's been pretty exciting to see how much our podcast has been growing in the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're just you. we're just thank so thankful for, for all of you.
1: Yeah, um, every for single listening to yeah, our. You have a lot of dumb guy stuff, or if yeah. you are a dumb guy.
0: Yeah, even if you are a dumb guy, we're glad you're here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to connect with us on social media, you can do so by going to Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Um, typing in at the Museum Camp, um, and we will be there to talk with you provide any sort of support, uh, moral, emotional, mm-hmm. um, really anything that you need, anything you need. um, <laughs> we're there for you. Um, <laughs> we also would love for you to consider joining our Patreon. We just sp- sent out a bunch of, um, vinegar Valentine mad libs in our current timeline. It's just before Valentine's day. Yeah. And uh, for all of our Patreon members, we made a bunch of Vinegar Valentine Mad Libs um, and they were so cute. So if you want to get like fun stuff, um, you know, sometimes it's cute and funny. Sometimes it has to, it's from a museum. Mm -hmm. um, We put video content on our Patreon page. You can go to patreon.com slash the museum camp. And the third and final thing, that I would like to say is that if you are enjoying this podcast, um, please open up Apple podcasts, leave us a five-star review and a rating, wait, a five-star rating and a review Um, so that uh, it kind of boosts the pod and other people can find out about us and enjoy it.
1: Yep. It would mean a lot. Tell your friends, have them at the party please. We'd love to we just want to them. hang out with people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. I think we covered everything. Campers have just a great Valentine's day. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, mm-hmm. um, and either way, have a great week. We love you. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.